Hi folks, I am Alex Bear and I am the Transdroid blogger and this is the very first episode of the Transdroid podcast. Um, I've been considering doing a podcast for a little while now and I just haven't actually got around to uh, playing with it enough to be able to actually make a podcast that was workable so I thought I'd give it a try. Now, I will throw a disclaimer out there at the beginning of this episode which is, this might be a bit rubbish, this episode, because I'm just learning how to use the programme, um, and I'm just a little bit nervous about it, actually, because although I've done a lot of public speaking and I've done a lot of giving talks, it's harder when you're doing a podcast. Um, I mean, this is like take 358 million at this point, um, because when you're giving a talk to an audience and you can see them and they're in front of you, it's almost easier because you can kind of vibe off them. You can connect with them in a way that podcasting is a lot more challenging. Um, and I keep looking at things in my room and then getting distracted and losing my train of thought, which is really not very helpful when the audience can't actually see you. So, yeah, if I wind kind of wander off on a little tangent is because I saw something interesting like a light bulb or something uh, in my room um, <laughs> and got distracted by it. So let's start with a little bit about me because that's how we generally start podcasts apparently. Um, I am Alex Bear, as I said, I am the Transdroid blogger. Um, I am a female-to-male transgender man who is currently undergoing medical transition. Um, I'm also a druid, an artist, an author, a um, bit of a jack-of-all-trades, really. I do lots and lots of random things that I really enjoy. I'm not necessarily good at them, but if I enjoy doing them, I do them anyway. Um... So I thought that what would be a really good place to start this podcast would be talking a little bit about how I found my path in Druidry, how I came to be the Trans Druid blogger. So from a very young age, I felt an affinity to the moon and there was just something about it and I couldn't explain it. I couldn't put it into words for you. Um, what exactly it was, but there was just something. And I had a really good friend who was a Jehovah's Witness, and she talked to me a lot about how her faith, you know, believed in this guy Jesus and, you know, the Bible stories and all of the, the mythology. I Mythology isn't the right word, I'll probably get in trouble for using that word, but the mythology of Christianity. Um, the stories, the the belief system, the, the this is what Jesus said stuff. And as she talked to me about it, there was a part of me that just never quite connected with that, that never quite understood having this, this God that you would never see, you would never hear, you would never meet, I suppose. And after a while, as I started to get a little bit older and kind of getting towards 10 or 11 years old, I started to realise that the connection that I'd always had with the moon and the sun was the same connection that she had with her god. But it just 
didn't use the same words. For me, there was something about the moon. And it was the fact, I, I don't know, I, I guess I'm going to try and explain it. Um, because I feel like I should, but it's a challenging one. Anyway, we'll try. Um, so I'd look at the moon and it would be a great day. I'd have had an amazing day. I'd have done cool stuff. I'd be really happy. I'd look up at the night sky as I was going to bed and the moon would be there. I'd have a really rubbish day. Everything would go horribly wrong. Life would be really poo. And I'd look at the night sky and the moon would be there. And it never mattered what I did. It didn't matter whether I was good at something, whether I was rubbish at something, whether I was being my best self or whether I was falling below my own standards. I would look at the night sky and I would see the moon. And the moon didn't judge me. The moon didn't care that I was the fat, overweight kid who didn't have that many friends. The moon didn't care about that. The moon was there. And I always felt like the moon spoke to me. Not, not in words, but it just, there was a connection. There was something about it that I would find myself at those times when I was feeling particularly lonely or feeling particularly worthless, I would find myself talking to the moon and actually just sitting down for 10 minutes and just telling the moon about my day, telling the moon about what was going on in my life, telling it how I was feeling, what was going on, what I wanted, what I was hoping for. And it wasn't about a dogmatic religion. It wasn't about a faith at all, I suppose. There was no part of me that that sat down and consciously thought, hmm, I'm going to be a pagan, and decided that. There, there, there was none of that. It just naturally happened for me. There was just this affinity, this, this connection, this understanding there. And many years later, I was, I was in my 20s, um, when I first met a witch. And funnily enough, for about three or four years at this point, I'd been wearing a pentagram ring. And I didn't know what the pentagram meant. There was no knowledge there about that at all. But there was something about the star in a circle. For me, it, it symbolised the moon. It symbolised my connection to the moon. And there was just... I didn't know that it meant anything. I genuinely had no idea. And... I was at work one day and we had an agency member of staff come and work with us. And she looked at me and she went, oh, which path? And I looked at her like she was completely crazy because I genuinely didn't know what she was talking about. Um, and I looked at her and I was like, um, I don't know what you're talking about, love. You know, um, and she said, oh, well. I'm a witch. And I, I confess, at that time I had no knowledge of paganism at all. I had no knowledge that witches even existed. And I kind of looked at her like, you have completely lost the plot. But, being me, being a nosy person, I was like, what's a witch? 
And she looked at me and she said, well, you're wearing a symbol of witchcraft. And I was like, am I? Where? You know, and I'm like, what am I wearing? I'm wearing my uniform. I'm wearing knickers, socks, shoes. Didn't occur to me that she might be talking about my ring. And then she suddenly said, well, your ring, it's a pentagram. And I was like, what's a pentagram? So we started to have this conversation. Anyway, we spent the whole of our lunch hour talking about Wicca and about her experiences of witchcraft. And the more that she talked, the more I found myself thinking, I actually kind of need to look into this because this is sounding actually quite like something that resonates with me. Well, we talked and a couple of days later she came back to work with us again. And on this second day that I'd met her, she said, oh, hey, there's, there's an event at, at a local shop. Why don't you come along? It's it's a Wiccan event. It's, it's, you know, witchcraft event. And there was a part of me that just kind of went, okay, I guess I'll go along. You know, I, I've always been one of those people who, you could ask me to go bungee jumping, and I'll come along. I might not bungee jump, but I'll come along and just be nosy and see what it's about. Just out of curiosity more than anything. And I went along to this event and I met an awful lot of people who all seemed actually very normal, which was the first thing that kind of struck me as very, very bizarre. Because, you know, the lady in question um, had you know, told me she was a witch. And I had that vision, pointy hats, frogs, cauldrons, you know, the works, every stereotype you can imagine. I had that picture in my head at that time. And I went along and I met all these weird and wonderful people who all seemed worryingly normal to me. And I thought, OK, fine, I'll, I'll hear them out. You know, they might be a bunch of whack jobs, but I'll hear them out and see what happens. Well, I did. And by the end of that day, by the end of the workshops I'd attended, there was a part of me that was going, oh, my God, I need to know these people. I actually need to know them because no one in this room has laughed at any of the things that anyone else in this room has said. And they're all saying things that sound really sensible to me, that make sense to me. Well, I started to talk to one particular lady and um, she was saying to me about you know, her experiences and she asked you know, which path I was on. And I looked at her and I said, I don't think I'm on any path. I think I'm on my own path. <laughs> she looked at me like it was the most profound thing I'd ever said. And I burst out laughing and I was like, no, no, I, I genuinely don't know what path I'm on. I don't know what you're asking me. I don't even know what witches are. I just happened to come because this lady over here... Um, asked me to come because she said that I was wearing a symbol of witchcraft and I'm really confused by that. So I thought that I should probably come and find out what it's about. Well, over the coming weeks and months, I found myself going back time and time again to the shop. And over the coming weeks and months, I started to learn that all of these people who were telling me that they were witches were all very, very normal. And that was just mind-blowing for me at the time because I was quite young and I mean fair enough I was in my mid-twenties at this point but I suppose I'd lived quite a sheltered life in that regard 
the only kind of religions that I knew about were the mainstream, you know, the big five kind of thing. I didn't know that this was an actual faith. I just thought that I was the weird kid who happened to like talking to the moon. Um, and over those coming weeks and months, I started to learn that there were different paths. And as I got to know more about witchcraft, uh, they didn't particularly call it Wicca at the shop because it was non-initiatory and they kind of felt like it was... Um, it was somehow wrong to call it Wicca when it was more witchcraft at the time. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the political side of things because, quite frankly, I could be here till Christmas if I did that. Um, but, anyway, they called it witchcraft. So I went along and I learned their version of it. Oh, it was called natural witchcraft, they called it. So I went along and I, I studied with them. I did a couple of courses with them in natural witchcraft. And... It was really interesting and it resonated with me and it was something that I was interested in. And then I found Wicca and I realised that it was a lot more rule oriented and it was a lot more um, structured, I suppose is the word I'm looking for. And I, I did a couple of years of study in that and... Towards the end of that couple of years of studying of Wicca, I found myself feeling like, well, I know that I'm supposed to do rituals in this way. And these are the words we're supposed to say. And these are the gods we're supposed to call upon. And this is how it's supposed to be. But that doesn't fit with me, personally. My connection to Wicca um, started to feel kind of like it was closing in on me a little bit it didn't feel right it just there was something missing and then obviously as I said earlier I found um, a druid group locally I thought oh well I don't really know much about druids I suppose I should probably have a little dabble with that you know go along and see what what, what druids do and I went along to a few open rituals down on the south coast and I started to think, actually, this is more my thing. This is much more my, my level. There's less formality, less structure in terms of how things have to be done. You know, I suppose for me it felt like Wicca was work where Druidry was a hobby it was something that I was doing because I enjoyed it and Wicker had started to feel more like a job I suppose it had started to feel more like a um I want to say commitment but commitment isn't the right word because we are committed to our faith but I suppose um it started to feel like a commitment that I was doing out of duty rather than out of love for it. And Druidry just touched a place in me that Wicca couldn't. And the more I hung around the Druids, um, the more I found that I was resonating with that. And for me personally, as somebody who's always been an avid reader, who's always completely loved story and song and art and music and 
the creative arts in general, there was something about the bardic grade of Druidry that just blew me away. There was something there that just screamed, you will come to me and you will stay here. This is where you should be. So I hung around the Druids for a while and I ended up taking initiation to a grove. Um, and it's just something that stuck with me. There's something about the mythology of Druidry. There's something about the the openness of belief, the the freedom to not necessarily call upon a god or a goddess or a spirit or an ancestor or a this or a that or a something else, but to just connect and to do so freely and to do so in a way that is honest and true and and open and trusting. And that's not to say that I don't think that Wiccans are any of those things, because I absolutely do. I just, for me, there's something about the way that Druidry connects that just connects with me, resonates with me in a way that Wicca, unfortunately, couldn't. And over the years, I, I kind of ended up a solitary um, Druid. And I suppose nowadays my my path has become kind of I, I don't quite know how to say this without offending like somebody somewhere um I'm gonna quantify it by saying I speak only for myself and I make no judgment of anyone else's else's path but for me personally I suppose my path now is lapsed wicker with a really big portion of Druidry. So I suppose what that means is that when I'm working alone um, in a ritual or in practice of any kind, I tend to do very Druidic rituals, but they tend to be based upon my Wicca training. Like, for example, if I'm casting a circle, I will automatically go into Wiccan circle casting head. But I'll also kind of amalgamate Druidry into that in a way that it, it ends up being seriously confusing to everyone, including myself, at times. Um, I've been known to start casting a circle in a Wiccan head and end it in a Druidic one which has been completely mind-blowingly confusing. Um, mostly because I completely forgot what I was doing at the time. And I was like, hang on, what am I doing here? I've got so many candles that I'm not sure what I was actually starting to do. Um, not literally, I just, I exaggerate slightly, but it did get horribly confusing. Um, mostly because the words that were coming out of my mouth were not the ones I was thinking in my head, which was just, <laughs> brain fog is such a pleasurable thing. Um, ah, oh, there's something I didn't mention in my intro part. Um, I also have chronic health conditions, um, which do impact on my life quite a lot, funnily enough. Um, but they do also, um, I can't remember where that sentence was going. Ah, cause me brain fog. That's where I was, 
<laughs> the ironies of forgetting the word for brain fog. That's so helpful. Um, they do cause me brain fog, which is why I um a lot when I'm making recordings of things. Because my brain works quicker than my mouth, and then my mouth works quicker than my brain, and I end up completely baffled. Um, and I also hate having notes, because notes confuse me even more, because then I start reading the notes, and I'm like, oh, what was I going to say next? And, oh no, I forgot something ten minutes ago. And it all ends up in a mess, so I tend to just go completely organic and see what happens. It also makes life much more interesting, because then when I listen to this back to edit it, I can kind of catch myself and go, oh, that sounded so interesting. I must elaborate. Um, and things like that. While stroking my beard, because I, I waited like 30 years to have a beard. And now that I have one, I kind of can't stop stroking it, which makes me feel like a really wise old wizard. Um, it doesn't mean that I have any wisdom. It just means that I like to tell myself I do. Um... Sorry, anyway, back to the subject at hand, which was how I ended up becoming a druid. Um, yeah, so I ended up in druidry, and now, I suppose, druidry fits well for me, because as a solitary, I can adapt rituals in any way that I need to, um, to make them accessible for myself. Um, druidry allows me the freedom to not necessarily even cast a physical circle. Um, because actually a lot of the time these days I don't worry too much about casting physical circles um, because it's not always easy to do that with a physical health condition which is why I mentioned uh, my disability um, I realised that now I was like, where was my train of thought that that came up? I realised um, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so um, I don't always cast a physical circle I do if I'm doing kind of more formal ritual, but um, if it's only something with just me and my gods and, you know, the usual stuff, then I tend to, um, I tend to have certain personal rituals that I do, which um, I use in place of casting a circle to have the same effect as casting a circle, but just not actually casting an actual circle. Um, because, for example, if my legs are playing up, then I can't necessarily walk around to cast the circle. So in that situation, then I have other um, very personal rituals which I use in place of that um, that work just as well. And anyway, should we not be able to do ritual without tools? Um, Yes, I did just start a witch war with that comment, but we'll enjoy it, shall we? Um, and yeah, so Druidry has been good to me over the years. It's been a place where I can incorporate the mundane into my spiritual path. It's been a place where I can incorporate my spiritual path into the mundane. And it's also a place where I found a great deal of acceptance. It's a place where I found chosen family, where I found people who are of like mind, who are of like faith. And the differences between our paths, even uh, within a group who all happen to be the same group, you know, like a particular grave or a particular Gorseth, 
the variety and the diversity of the beliefs even within that is just beautiful and freeing and I love it and it allows me to connect to the Arwen um, in a way of creativity and creativity has been a really big part of my spiritual path always from the minute that I learned to read I was very very rarely without a book in my hand a lot of the time they're fiction because there's something about non-fiction books that just they're great if I want to learn something but a lot of the time my connection to reading isn't about learning it's about enjoying the thoughts and feelings and emotions of other people it's about exploring the world through other people's stories um, and for me, that's that's always been where my passion lies with books, is reading. I, I don't write fiction. I can't write fiction um, because it's appalling and dreadful and awful if I try. Um, but I think that's possibly a link to my personal relationship with reading, is that I love to read non-fiction. Uh, I love to read fiction, but I like writing non-fiction. And I think for me that divide is such that it's because I don't want to lose the magic of story. And I don't want to lose the magic of um, imagination. And I kind of feel like if I made my work writing fiction, I would struggle with that. I would It, it would become work and then it would lose its magic for me. Um, and I don't want it to do that, so I refuse to write fiction. Um, <laughs> because, yes, I am an enigma. It's always been a thing. Uh, yeah, so that is how I ended up in Druidry. Um, I absolutely love Druidry. It's been a part of my life now for the best part of 15 years. And it just, yeah... It's not going away anytime soon, and I love it. I love the fact that we can be so diverse a group. We can be such a widely ranging belief system group and still be a group, still be comfortable enough with our differences and with our diversities that we can accept and love each other. Um... And that's something that I think I would miss a lot if I didn't have Druidry in my life. Um, because, yeah, Druids are awesome. And Druidry is my home. It's that place I can come back to when, as I said at the beginning with my connection with the moon, it's very much a place where I can come back to regardless of who I am or how I am in that moment. And for me, that is the essence of spirituality. That is the essence of my faith. Is to know that there's a place for me. And that place is in Druidry. That place is in my connection to the moon. It's in my connection to the stars. It's in my connection to the natural world around us. Um, and I think for me, that is the crux of it. Druidry is part of my life. And I am part of Druidry. Because it calls me home. And like many other people, my faith has 
waxed and waned over the years. There have been times when I've been really, really, really into it, you know, um, almost fundamentally into Druidry. And there have been other times when it's taken a back seat and it's ebbed a bit. And that's okay. It's it's always come back, you know. It's it's kind of like that freedom thing. If you love something, let it go. And Druidry has always done that for me. Druidry has always been there when I've wanted it. It's always been there when I've needed it. But it's never been forced. It's never been dogmatic. It's never been, you will come to church on Sunday. You will do this. You will do that. It's never been like that. It's always been, I'm here. I'm waiting. And I think that's that's partly what my connection to the moon is is it's that having something that is always there, having that constant regardless of life, regardless of life's ups and downs and challenges and successes and achievements, it's knowing that it doesn't matter how life is, the moon and stars will rise either way. They don't care if it's a good day or a bad day, they're there. And I think that's very much how my druidry has been for me. It's been... It's always there. It's in everything I do. It's in the stories I tell. It's in the people I meet. It's in the hands I hold and the hearts that I touch. And that touch me. You know, and... I love my faith. I love being a druid. I love the pagan community. And... I think that's probably the end of this podcast. Because I've run out of things to say and I'm very aware that I'm repeating myself. I'm just going to see how long I've been talking for. Wow, I have managed half an hour. I think that probably um, episodes of this podcast are going to be about half an hour long. Um, because I think any longer than that, one of us will need a wee. It will either be me or you. And I don't know that you can pause the podcast on this platform. Um, so I will try and keep them to a roughly half an hour. Somewhere between half an hour and three quarters of an hour just to give myself a bit of extra waffle time. Because I like to waffle. But thank you for joining me on this, our very first trans blog podcast. And I really hope you'll join me again next month. Uh, next month? Um, next episode, sorry. I don't know where month came from. Month just appeared in there. Um, yeah, I think I'm probably going to try and do uh, an episode a week, maybe. Um... But we will see how that goes. Uh, I'm going to sign off now because I'm waffling and I'm losing my train of thought a lot, which is not helping. So thank you for joining me. I hope that I will see you next time. Sending out much love to all of you. Mm -hmm.